Leaders come in all different shapes, sizes, and styles. There is not a one-size-fits-all solution to leadership. Our goal is to connect with those who are in the trenches each day, leading themselves and leading others, to learn about their unique style, and to provide our listeners with inspiration to lead. Welcome to the Lead with Empower podcast. Our guest today is Mr. Dan DeConti. Dan DeConti is the assistant athletic director at Xavier High School. He's also a teacher at Xavier High School, a former coach at Xavier High School. So, Dan, super excited to have you on today. And uh, let's get rolling um, with, uh, with having you tell our listeners a little bit more about yourself. Yeah, glad to be here. This is awesome. I'm, uh, I'm really looking forward to uh, getting the time to talk to you today. Um, you know, like you said, uh, the only thing I think you left out about my Xavier career is I'm also currently the uh, leading point holder for the hockey team as well. Um, (laughs) We're not going to let that, not going to let anybody forget that. (laughs) Get that right in, right out of the gate. Well done. That's it. Yeah. Um, I mean, I've been a, you know, I grew up in Middletown. I've been a Middletown guy almost my whole life. Um, I got two kids. Now I have a six-year-old Jack who just started kindergarten. Um, and I have a three-year-old daughter, Grace. And, you know, we've been we've been spending a lot of time together this past week, and then um, we've been having a lot of fun. But you know, I'm uh, that's it. I mean, I'm a, I'm a Middletown guy. I spend a lot of my time at Xavier. Uh, big hockey fan. Uh, still play a little bit, and now uh, you know I'm, I'm just getting into spending time with uh, my kids and and the sports that my son is getting involved in right now. Awesome, awesome. And our and our listeners aren't going to be able to see it, but I can see that you're starting to grow your hockey hair. You know, maybe for a little playoff run at the when, when yeah. The well, NHL you know, with, with everything <laughs> with everything shut down right now, it's uh, slim pickings. So <laughs> I'm with you. I'm with you for sure. Dan and I have known each other for probably over ten years. Uh, we were quote unquote roommates uh, with his then girlfriend Nicole and and a couple of other uh, hoodlums over in East Hampton. And uh, uh, you know, over the years, has become a great friend and. Uh, one of the things that impresses me most about Dan, and this has nothing to do with with the podcast, but his ability to control probably the largest slice I've ever seen uh, on a tee box in golf, but just <laughs> controls it with such elegance, grace, and style. Um, and uh, that's definitely something I, I always love getting on the golf course with you because it, yeah, it I'm, I'm t- uh, I got to start dialing that in. I might have to try to find some time to get over to the driving range and start, you know, getting those clicks right. So that, that's right. Uh, when it's go time, <laughs> I'll be ready. That's right. That's right. Well, Dan, again, I thank you for being on with us today and we'll get right into it. You know, obviously the, the uh, COVID-19 situation has uh, been a bit, a little bit of a change up for all of us. And you mentioned spending some time, you know, a lot of time at home with the kids Anything else you've been able to get into uh, now that you're not, you know, necessarily going into the office each day and the routine's been changed? Yeah, I mean, honestly, uh, the situation uh, is terrible and it's scary, but uh, having this time at home has has been sort of a a blessing and beneficial. Um, I I found a lot of time, you know, going back into the weight room. I go to Xavier every day. First thing in the morning, I go and I work out. I, I get home just in time for the kids to wake up. And so... I've been able to spend a little bit of time, uh, you know, working on myself and my own health and 
Um, I've done a couple podcasts. I've listened to a few podcasts. I've listened to joined a few webinars. And so, you know, I've been spending a lot of time doing things that way that I haven't been able to do. And then just uh, spending time with the kids, you know, being, being the assistant AD, especially in the spring season when there's things going on. Uh, every single night, you know, there's a lot of times where you miss dinner, or you get home after they go to bed. And um, so it's just been nice to, to be able to one, work on myself and then just to spend a lot of time with, with my family. Awesome. Awesome. And, and great kids. And I'm sure, uh, I'm sure they're keeping you on your toes and that's probably part of your fitness uh, routine as well. I'm sure chasing them <laughs> around the house and the yard and, and all the fields at Xavier. So no doubt about it. <laughs> Glad to hear you're able to you know take advantage of you know what most people consider a pretty negative situation uh, for your development, your family's development. You know, obviously, again, the routine has changed. What's one thing you miss most about you know your normal day to day routine that you know that you're obviously not in right now? Yeah, I mean, I, the biggest thing is, and I think any coach would say the same. You know, I miss seeing the kids every day. Yeah. You know, um, I think that's the, the biggest thing is as much as, uh, you know, being in the classroom and teaching is one thing, you know, but but having that that five to 10 minute interaction with the kids before we start class or seeing kids in the hallway. I think, you know, um, that's probably the thing I miss most is just that that opportunity to spend face to face time with those kids in the building. Yeah. Have you had a chance, um, you know, since school's been closed to try to stay in contact with some of your students, some of the athletes? Is, and I, obviously it's a big challenge now, but. Yeah, I mean, um, you know, some of the athletes I have in class, so I've had conversations with them through some of the uh, discussion boards that we've had online. And, you know, a lot of the hockey players uh, have my cell phone number. So I've been texting back and forth with some of those guys. So I've been able to stay in touch. But, you know, there's nothing like, you know, uh, having that face-to-face interaction and being able to sit down and talk with somebody for a little bit. Well, and you, and you touched on the next question earlier about, you know, the, the new routine, getting you into, you know, kind of taking care of yourself, taking care of the DeConte family. Um, you know, so that's, again, great that you're being able to take advantage of that. So um, we're going we're gonna to get into, you know, some more structured questions, uh, you know, about you and your, you know, your style as a leader. Uh, before we do, just you know, tell the listeners, so you're in a unique position. You were a hockey coach until a couple years ago. You're, you're obviously still in the classroom. You're an assistant athletic director. So, you know, from a leadership standpoint, it kind of went from maybe – you know, leading a group of, you know, 20 high school athletes or more to a, a bigger scope now. So tell us, tell us a little bit about the, the group of people that you currently lead, Dan. We got a great group of, of guys over at Xavier, you know, cause our coaching staff is very dedicated. Um, you know, I don't have an experience with another group of guys, but I couldn't think of a better group of guys <laughs> to be with, um, honestly. And so, um, you know, leading these guys, it's, you say you're, you're leading them and I guess maybe that's true, but you know, I, I see it more as us working together and, you know, my, my, my years of of coaching experience, you know, is, it fits in with, with their years of coaching experience. And so we can talk about things together and, um, you know, work on things together. And, and, and the great thing about all of our coaches is all of our coaches, they're, they're all in, um, they want to make their programs better. They want to make the kids better. And overall, they want to make the school better. So, like I said, I, I don't see it as much as, as leading a group of guys so much as it is working alongside a group of guys. Yeah, absolutely. And, and what better resource to have, too, than a guy that spent a bunch of years, you know, coaching in the, in the trenches and now to be able to, to bounce ideas off of, uh, off of you and your experience. And, and, and I, you know, there's not a better way to lead, you know, not maybe leading from yeah. the front, but leading alongside. Yeah. Definitely. 
what's the biggest change transitioning from coaching and leading a group of athletes to now coaching and leading a group of adults? What's been the biggest change for you? The biggest thing that you had to kind of, you know, tweak uh, in your style? Well, it's, you know, leading, leading a group of 20 guys for hockey. And then the, the vision there is, is focused on, you know, teaching students, teaching kids how to be leaders, um, teaching them about, you know, work, the work ethic that goes into being successful and, um, you know, really just focused on that sport specific, you know, the sport of hockey, whereas now leading a group of guys, um, we're talking about adults who, you know, most of them have many years of experience. Most of them are well seasoned. And also it's, it's a bigger vision. It's not just the hockey team. It's the Xavier athletic program. So the yep. big shift, you know, it's, it's a much bigger picture than it yep. was when I was just coaching the, the hockey team. Dan DeConte's leadership style. If you had to sum it up in a sentence or two, what would, what would, uh, mm-hmm. what would you say to somebody if you, if you had to describe yourself as a leader? Man, it's, you know, it's a mix. I, I'm, I'm going to say that my leadership style is, is very uh, democratic. You know, like I said, I, I, I'm all for working with people and, and bouncing ideas off one another, you know, but w- with that being said, I'm sure there's plenty of guys in the hallway that can tell you at times when I'm passionate about something, I can, I can be very uh, authoritative in that too and, and stuck in my way. So um, I think it's, it's a little bit of both. Um, but, I think at the end of the day, it all comes down to um, just having a relationship, a strong relationship with those guys in the building and, and building relationships with the new guys that come in. Because if, if you don't have a relationship with them, uh, regardless of what your, your style is, uh, it's not going to go well for anybody. 100%. 100%. Any, any foundation of leadership starts on the, the one-to-one connections that you're able to develop and the trust you're, you know, you're able to develop and the communication you can develop in those relationships. So a leadership strength of Dan DeConte. Um, you know, again, I, I think, um, I think everybody sees me sort of a, as a, a friend, you know, and I think that that's a strength is, is uh, people will come to me with questions or issues and, and they, they come to me because they know that uh, I'm not going to pass judgment. I'm going to give them the, the truthful answer and the best answer that I, that I can give them because, uh, you know, I want to see them do well too. Yep. Awesome. And then, um, you know, for me, I'm lucky that the, the, the radio or the podcast recording doesn't show my desk. Organization is always a challenge for me as a leader. What's one of your leadership weaknesses? You know, just going back to, um, what I was saying about, you know, there's times where I can be very passionate about a topic or very uh, set in my ways about something. And so sometimes maybe, um, you know, when I, when I have that emotion, um, I need to do a better job of settling the emotion so that I can communicate the message uh, more clearly and more effectively. Nice. Good answer. Good answer. One of the things, um, you know, obviously we weren't, we weren't teammates. I was out of Xavier when, when you were at Xavier as an athlete and, uh, you know, haven't worked together. But uh, one of the things I admire, you know, I think from afar about you as a leader is I've, your commitment to the place that you're at. You're, you're committed to Xavier High School. You've dedicated a ton of time, effort, and energy into, into Xavier High School athletics and, and the, you know, the, the overall building as a whole. Um, you know, to a point where, you know, like I was growing up, whose father was at Xavier High School, and I, I grew up as a kid, Xavier's gym and their backfields were my backyard. And, and I see you doing the same thing with your children. So it, it's, 
the commitment you have and and the 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 what you bring to that community is is an absolute inspiration and it brings back great memories for me personally as a child um because i you know what jack gets to do right now is what you know greg matt and i got to do as young kids growing up and uh you know i think i think it's so great that uh you know you you give every every fiber of dan DeConti to that place on a daily basis so, so again yeah. excited to have uh, you on here today well i appreciate that but you know too is uh I had a good mentor. You know, I was in the building. I was in the building for four years before I became the assistant AD. And, and uh, you know, I had a mentor growing up and I heard a lot of the stories about, you know, the young kids that he had that grew up on those backfields and, and uh, you know, playing around at Xavier. And, and so he was actually able to see my kids come and play on the fields at Xavier and play in the gym. And so, um, you know, the guy that I followed gave everything to Xavier high school. And so I'm just happy to uh, be doing the same. Yeah. You're definitely, definitely carrying that torch. And I know, uh, I know TJ loves seeing uh, Jack and Gracie uh, running around the fields and uh, uh, cause I think it brought him back to a younger time as well. So we, you know, yeah. on, on behalf of Greg and I and Matt and, and Donna, we, you know, we appreciate that immensely. So, but definitely something I admire about you for sure. Um, so you're in, you're in the you're in the trenches on a day to day basis, Dan. What are some of the challenges you uh, feel like you face, or some of the barriers uh, you know to teaching and coaching leadership in in today's student, today's athlete, and and maybe even today's coach? Yeah, I mean, I I think um, you know some of the barriers when you're talking about kids um, is that it's new for them, you know, and so they they need reps to. Uh, number one, get better at leadership. They need to start testing the waters a little bit. Um, but it's also, it's an awkward stage for them because they don't, um, you know, in most cases, the, being a captain of a sports team, this is their first time, you know, in a leadership position and it's it's their buddies that they're with. And so, um, you know, that that makes it a little awkward for them. So I think I think the barrier is trying to get those guys to uh, to maybe overcome some of that awkwardness and put themselves out there a little bit. Um, and also, you know, they, they're afraid to fail. Yeah. You know, they don't, they don't want to fail in front of their, in front of not only their teammates, but they don't want to fail in front of their friends too. Um, so I think that's probably one of the biggest barriers. Well, um, and again, I, I a hundred percent agree. And we, uh, you know, in, in our work with empower leadership and the different team building and, and leadership development programs we run, that is one of the biggest hindrances to any group being successful in, you know, an adventure challenge is that fear of failure, that fear of embarrassment, that fear of being the one that messes up at the end. And uh, you know, I think the more opportunities that a, a, an athlete has or a student has to fail and come back from it, the the more they learn from it and the less scared they are of that moment. Yeah, that's it. I think it's just, it's just giving them the, the reps or, you know, them wanting to have the reps and realizing that they're going to fail and it's okay. It's okay to fail because you, you're, you're going to get better from it and you're going to learn and you're going to do better the next time. What do you see, you know, as, as a leader in, in the moment of, of failure, right? Whether it be losing a, a game that you shouldn't have lost or getting cut from a team, what do you feel like your role is in that instance as, as a leader and how, and how do you help the athlete recognize that, Hey, this is just a little bit of a speed bump and we're going to get a little bit better from it. What are some of the things that you do to help, the athlete overcome that fear of failure? 
Well, that, you know, the, and that's, that's just it is, is a, a lot of the times I think the message is, Hey, you know, this is just a speed bump and, and, you know, what are we going to do with it? Are we going to hang our heads on it and say, Oh, you know, here's a game that we should have won. Uh, you know, we didn't play well, or we missed this or, you know, a bad call. You, you can't, you, you can't do that. You just, you got to move on. Right. So learn, you learn from the loss and, and you, and you get back at it. It's sort of, uh, you know, that process in a sense that everybody talks about. And so, you know, I, I used to tell our kids before the season, right? Like, you know, you can, you can win a game and, and, and play well and, and you can lose a game and play well. And, and I'd rather those two um, than, than winning a game and playing poorly because yeah. that, that's not sustainable. So, um, you know, it's, it's just about just getting right back at it. And that's, that's the beautiful thing about sports is, is you lose a game and it's a tough loss or whatever. And you got a game another day, Absolutely. Um, which is also, which is also what makes the end of the season so crushing because, you know, at some point when you lose that last game, there is no next day. Um, and so I think that's, that's probably the hardest part about a season coming to an end. It's just, there's not, there's not that next day, that next opportunity to, uh, to go out there and prove yourself again. Absolutely. And, and you bring up and, and we're going to we're going to kind of go off it, uh, a little bit here. You, you bring up an interesting uh, concept or situation of like the end of the year and the season's over and you have to wait a, a full another year before you you know put on the pads and get on the ice. Um, you know, obviously this winter there were high school, college, professional athletes impacted by the, the situation with COVID-19 put yourself in the shoes of a coach who, you know, qualifies for the playoffs and then suddenly it's gone, canceled. Like how, how horrible situation, how, how would you have handled uh, be, being a coach in that situation or even being an athlete in that situation? Uh, you know, uh, it's devastating. I mean, when, when the news came out that the season was canceled, um, you know, our, our hockey coach is not in the building. Um, and so it sort of felt to me as, as being the former hockey coach and the relationship that I still have with a lot of those guys on the team to let them know that, you know, there was going to be no, no season, no, no playoff season rather. And uh, man, it was difficult. And it, it, as soon as, as soon as those words came out, I mean, you could just see the tears rolling down those kids' faces. Um, and, and, you know, again, the message, the message was, this is a terrible situation. I, I feel bad for you guys. Uh, you know, and I, I truly do feel terrible for them. Um, you know, but, but we can only control what we can control and, and we have no control over, over those types of decisions. Um, obviously that decision was made for, for the greater good of the, the community. Um, and, and, and while it hurts, um, you know, there, there, again, there is that bigger picture of, of life outside of sports and, and God forbid, you know, we, we pushed along and, and something happened along the way. I mean, it would just be, uh, just be terrible. Absolutely. And you can see, I mean, uh, the, the amount of guys in the NBA who are now, you know, it's coming out that they tested positive. And, um, so you can only imagine if that decision wasn't made when it was made, the, the negative impact it, it could have had. And, you know, as hard as it is, you know, for those athletes and for the coaches that dedicated so much time to the winter season, you know, you have to look back on it now. And I know it's still probably pretty fresh, pretty fresh wound, but, you know, recognize that yeah, it's probably the right call. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, I think, I think the, the hard part for the kids was, and, and maybe credit to the CIAC is, is they were one of the first ones to do it. Yep. And so, you know, if, if kids had seen, Hey, you know, Massachusetts canceled their tournament, Rhode Island canceled their tournament in New York. And if they had seen it coming, you know, that it might've lessened the blow a little yep. bit. It doesn't change the pain. 
Um, but, but being the first one uh, and sort of them not seeing, even, you know, expecting it, I think also played into that emotion a little bit. Yep. And it gets to a, you know, a great quality of leadership is decisiveness and sometimes recognizing that this decision's not going to sound very popular right now. Um, but if you're confident it, it's the right decision at the right time and, you know, the people that you, you, you surround yourself with that you rely on for support, if they feel, you know, if they're in the same boat with you, some, you know, sometimes as a leader, you got to make a decision that's not going to make everybody happy, but it's for the benefit, you know, of the long that's run. It. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's it. And that's, that's a lot of sometimes what, what being a leader is, is making those, those hard decisions and realizing that not everybody's going to be happy with it. But if, if it's in the best interest of the community, the school, the kids, uh, you know, you have to be able to uh, support your decision. What's something that, and again, I don't, I don't think many high school athletes right now will look at that situation and say, oh, this is going to help me 10 years down the road or, or 20 years down the road. Um, but as an adult, as a leader, what's something that you feel like, you know, those athletes who, you know, went through the, the, the playoffs being canceled, what do you think is something they're going to be able to take from this situation at some point in the future, whether it be right now or, you know, a couple of years down the road? think you know right right now the pain is is still fresh but I, I think um you know down the road when they look back at, at how this all plays out I think they're going to realize that uh you know this was the right decision um and I think that the takeaway hopefully for these kids that they see is that um you know things are bigger than sports and things are bigger than their world you know I think you know obviously a lot of kids are wrapped up in themselves right now and as young adults maybe that's the way it should be but I think you know 10 years from now when they look back and they'll see wow you know this yeah it hurt me yeah I'm still sad about it you know but um I realized that it was for a bigger picture yep yep and what's and this is I don't want this to come across as sounding bad but it's almost when you see those tears what what I enjoy about hearing these stories and I'm not a, a masochist I don't want to see people you know in pain but what I do enjoy about hearing how you know how upset the children the, the the athletes are is that you know what so many times we feel like oh these kids don't give a crap about anything these kids it's they give a shit right and these oh, kids yeah. put so oh, much yeah. time and effort and as sad as it is and as tough as the situation is it's inspiring to know like you know what they care and maybe as a leader, we just have to look a little bit deeper than the surface to realize that, hey, they care. They're putting their effort into something that they believe in, and uh, it's inspiring. Even you know, uh, you know, coming out of a tough situation, obviously. So, oh yeah, absolutely. And, and that's, I mean, that's a great point. Is you know, a lot of times, and sometimes you have a conversation with a kid, and, and you can't really tell whether or not uh, that kid is into it or they care. But I think at the end of the day you know, if, if a kid comes to practice every day, he, he puts his work in every day, um, you know, that kid cares. And, and you saw a lot of emotion and a lot of caring that came out of everybody that, that had to hear that their, their season was canceled, you know? Yep, absolutely. And you mentioned earlier in our conversation, uh, the phrase control the controllable. And that's something I, uh, that's, that's part of our, my, you know, my daily routine. And I obviously part of your daily routine. And, you know, I think it, it highlights the point that, you know, helping young athletes and young students for that matter, young people in general realize, Hey, we can control our effort. We can control the passion that which we do things. We can control our actions and our reactions to certain situations. 
Um, and there's other things on that list, but then there's this bubble and outside of this bubble is all, all things that we don't control. We don't control the weather. We don't control situations like this. We don't control if we're stepping on the ice and just we're up against a team that's flat out better than us. And, um, you know, I think that ties into, you know, helping to eliminate the fear of failure is if, if, if athletes realize that as long as we put the best version of ourselves, of our team on the field, on the ice, the result we get is the result we're going to earn. And and we should be proud of that result one way or another. That's it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, You know, there's, there's so many things outside of our control. And one of the biggest things I used to talk about when, when coaching was, you know, the bad calls or the, or the non calls, or, you know, there was so many, you, you used to hear, so many times, oh, that was a bad call. The referee blew the game for us. No, no, they didn't blow the game for us. You know, and that that's not something that we we have any control over. So whether, regardless of what you think about it, you got to get back into play, and you got to you got to continue to play. That's right. And then you even you go further with like uh, again something we'll 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 implement in our our team building events with athletes is, you know, there's always an opponent that's going to try to get under your skin, right? There's always a guy getting in your ear, talking a little bit of trash. And as soon as you let them into your mental real estate, you're taking your focus away from those controllables. And it's a valuable lesson for sure. I used to tell the kids, they say, if, if a kid is talking junk to you, there's one or two points in the game. If he's running his mouth, either we're winning, and what does it matter that he's running his mouth, or we're behind, and he should be running his mouth. Yeah. So, so either way, uh, you know, it, it's just something that shouldn't affect you. Absolutely. Absolutely. Great point. Um, you know, Dan with, with empower we've, uh, you know, for 11 years, I've worked with a lot of different groups, um, students and, and their teachers, athletes at the high school, college, and even at the professional level. Um, and one thing it's been a recurring theme in talking to, you know, the adult chaperones, whether it be a park and rec group or a group of teachers or a coach is, so much of the time and energy is focused on like the 85 to 90% of the students or the athletes who, you know, maybe aren't doing things hundred percent right all the time. Right. And there's very little focus on that, like 10%, right. That, that athlete that you're like, you look at now and you're like, I don't know what this kid's going to be doing in 10 years, but whatever the heck it is, they're going to be doing it damn well. Give us an example of someone that you cross paths with uh, on a daily basis at Xavier High School that you look at and it's like, yep, that's a 10 percenter right there. That's someone that's going to go on and do something great, whatever he or she puts his mind to. Yeah, um, I I had a kid who was on the hockey team uh, not too long ago, uh, Brendan Buckley, who um, he was a he was a hockey player for me. He was a lacrosse player. He might have even been like the 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 vice president of the student body or whatever but um you know the, whatever the the kid just he he had it for being successful in life you know he'll be the first one to tell you he probably an average sports player yeah. um you know he didn't have the height or really the strength but but man he had the heart and the determination and um he worked so hard every day and and the other guys around him you know they they appreciated that and they recognized that and it made them work a little harder. And then when you, when you talk to the kid and he holds a conversation with an adult, you know, uh, like you, like you wouldn't believe. And, and so, uh, just the, the interaction I had with that kid, I, I know, you know, he's at union college right now or, or, or wherever he is during this epidemic, yeah. or that's where he, where he goes. But, um, 
you know, I know when that kid gets out of college, he's going to be successful in life no matter what he does. Yeah, and I, I can uh, – I, I will 100% agree with that and vouch with it. And I, I nowhere near the interaction at, at, that you have had with Brendan, but uh, he was one of the uh, the members of the Empower Leadership Club at Xavier High School. And he gave a speech to the freshman class his senior year in the springtime. And it was one of those moments where – I don't know, jealousy is not the right word, but admiration for a 17-year-old, yeah. you know, 18-year-old kid to hear him talk about his experiences at Xavier and and what he hopes to pass along to the, the students that are there now that he's gone was just, it was jaw-dropping. And I think yeah. I've never seen a group of 200 freshmen so engaged by a speaker than that moment. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. No, I know exactly what you're talking about. <laughs> what, you mentioned a couple things about his heart and his effort. What, what else? Uh, what else, in your eyes, made Brandon Buckley stick out? I, I mean, his his personality. You know, that kid. Uh, no matter what was going on in his life, he walked in the locker room with a smile, and he, you know, loved to joke. He loved to laugh. He loved to have a good time, and and um, he just he he made you feel welcome you know uh welcome into his world he wanted to you know he wanted to interact with you he wanted to um you know outside of the sports he wanted to be part of your life and and um he wanted to uh you know just make everybody a better person absolutely and that was one of the messages this was you know i think he's been out of xavier for two years now one of the yeah. messages uh of his speech to the freshman that i remember to this day was you know, care about each other, go to each other's games, support each other in, when they're in the play or in the musical or, or, or performing. And uh, he's a guy that absolutely lived that because you'd see him at football games or baseball games. And uh, um, it's, you know, definitely practicing what he was preaching for sure. No doubt. Describe, and you could pick one of the three, or a situation, a person, or an experience that has shaped you as a leader. Oh, I, I mean, again, just going back to, you know, um, talking about TJ. Um, I mean, he was he, – I, I started my coaching career at, at 22 years old, and, uh, you know, I, I'm certainly not the, the same person I am uh, today as I was then. And a lot of that goes through, through his mentorship and, um, you know, hiring me as a 22-year-old coach and, and, and being patient with me and, and, and teaching me about – uh, some of the things that, that, that I needed to work on as a coach and then moving into the AD role and, and, and showing me what, what that looks like. I mean, um, he's probably been, you know, my biggest mentor when it comes to, to leadership and, and coaching in the sports world. And I know he, he loves working with you. TJ is recently retired and, uh, he, I, I think he thoroughly enjoyed the time, uh, he spent with, I think what, about eight years. Yeah. Yeah. Just about eight. You know, thoroughly enjoyed the time with you and I think you brought well one from a technology standpoint you knew how to type with more than two <laughs> fingers uh, and I you think you introduced them to the world of, of Twitter and and, and LinkedIn yeah. and all that type of stuff but uh yeah. you know I think it was a you know for a guy that was on his way out to 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 connect and work alongside a, a guy that's just kind of starting out in that field exactly. was, was inspiring for him as yeah. well. And was, uh, was a motivator it injected like the youth and the, you know, kind of reaffirms your love and passion for what you do and why you do it. So, yeah. um, I, I would say the feeling was very mutual there. Um, <laughs> I, I definitely want to get him on as a podcast guest, but we'll definitely have to do that one in person. 
I, I, yeah. you know, I don't know if uh, the, the, the digital realm would uh, oh, forget about he it. Might <laughs> contract you out to set it up for him. <laughs> <laughs> um, you mentioned, you know, being hired as a 22 year old coach and I'm not going to say your age now, but obviously from Dan DeConte as a 22 year old to Dan DeConte today, some things I'm sure have changed. What is one of the biggest thing about you as a leader that has changed uh, when comparing you now versus you then? Yeah, I mean, when I started out as a 22-year-old coach, my focus was just on winning. And, you know, that was, that was really all that, that sort of mattered was winning the games. And uh, that was the only thing I put any importance on, um, you know, very, very transactional uh, yep. interactions with the athletes. And, um, you know, as I grew and, and, and developed and, and had those conversations with Tony as well as the other guys, uh, you know, in the building, um, now where it's much more the process and, and bigger picture and, um, you know, trying to get these guys to lead each other versus me um, trying to come down on everybody. Yep. And then what about, again, looking back at the younger DeConti versus the older DeConti, what's been the one – consistent thread uh, of you as a leader over the years? Um, I, I think, you know, my, my connection to the, the people that I'm working with, I think is always say the same, you know, as, as much as, uh, like I said, my focus as younger was on, on winning and, and, and the outcome. Um, I also love those kids and, and loved interacting with them daily. And, and I don't think that's, that's changed throughout my career is, is the love I have for the people that I'm working with. Absolutely. And, and the passion shows, Dan, to be honest with you, like any, anytime seeing you in action, you, you know, there's a level of caring and a level of passion and love for what you do. And um, that hasn't changed an inch. All right. We're going to, we're going to close up shop here. I got some rapid fire questions. So I'm going you know, to try to keep your words to it, you know, less than five or your answers to less than five words right here. Um, this first one might be a little bit tough, though. Uh, describe it a, a moment of failure and how it shaped you as a leader. I, I've put myself out there. You know, uh, my 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 role right now currently is assistant athletic director. You know, I, I am hoping to uh, one day uh, become an athletic director, and and so um, you know, a moment of failure is 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 going for a job and, and not getting that job, and yeah. and so it's how is it shape me well it's it's again it's you know you, you got to keep putting yourself out there you got to keep you got to keep trying you got to keep improving and realizing that you know if you're good enough one day you're gonna you're gonna get what you're looking for absolutely a mo uh, and before we go to the next question a, a moment of failure I recognize or I, I personally witnessed uh in the the triumphant athletic career of Dan DeConte was losing a race around the bases in an adult beer league softball to a great friend of ours, uh, Justin Franzik. We, we call him Frenchy. Um, you were young. You were. You should have been in the prime athletic condition of your life. You lost a race to a guy that probably shouldn't have beat you. What'd you learn from that situation? I, I, well, I, you know, I, we we never tested him, but I'm pretty sure he was on PEDs. <laughs> <laughs> that was that was pre pre testing day, I think. <laughs> Frenchy, if you're listening to this, we want a blood sample immediately. <laughs> <laughs> Childhood idol or role model, and why? Um, my former, my former hockey coach, one of the, uh, Ken Robinson, he's, he's passed away for some time now, but, um, you know, he, he took me in as a, as a young player, 
um, even before I was on his team and um, would give me playbooks to look at and, and some of the stuff that he had put together. And so I, he was, he was my coach as a, as a 15, 16 year old. Um, when I went on to college, he ended up at the same, he was coaching at the college that I was at. And so he coached me through college and then he became a mentor to me uh, as well when I, when I started my coaching. And so he's somebody in terms of the sports world that, that, that had a big impact on me and somebody I've looked up to. In, if you had to say in like one or two words, what was the, like one major thing that you took away from coach? Oh, he was tough. Yeah. <laughs> he, was tough. he was hard on you. <laughs> Probably helped you realize that you can do a lot more than you were giving yourself credit for. Absolutely. You could pick one of the three again, a book, a movie, or a show that has recently had an impact on you, any type of impact. Uh, so, you know, I'm a huge Patriots fan. You know that. <laughs> but uh, shout out to the G-Men. I'm currently reading uh, Tom Coughlin's Earn the Right to Win. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, so far so good. It's, it's interesting to see uh, how he's come up. And, and, you know, you read these stories about all of these professional coaches who have bounced around to so many places and been fired and rehired and fired and rehired. And um, so, so I'm in the middle of reading his book right now, Earn the Right to Win. And, uh, you know, looking forward to, to, to seeing how that all plays out. Absolutely. And yeah, coaching is definitely not a profession to get into for those with thin skin. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, a song or musical artist that you, the first song you put on or the, or the first band that you put on when you need to get freaking jacked up for something. Uh, when I'm getting ready to go, whether it's uh, a pregame or, or, or working out or whatever, uh, I, I go to Eminem. Eminem. All right. I like it. I like it. Kobe Bryant recently passed away. Um, uh, I, you know, tragic situation there. Um, there's a quote I have from him and I'll read you the quote. And then, you know, in a sentence, tell me what you think that quote means to you. Uh, the quote from Kobe Bryant is if you are afraid to fail, then you're probably going to fail. You know, I think there's, there's two parts of that is, is, you know, if, uh, if you're afraid to fail, then, then you're not going to put yourself out there. You're not going to push yourself. You're not going to put yourself in those positions. Um, so in that sense, you know, you're not going to grow. You're not going to get any better, um, you know, and, and so I can see that as being a failure. Um, the other thing I, I think that, that that speaks to me, too, is, um, you know, the power of visualization, which I know, you know, um, I've done a lot of, like I said, I've had a lot of free time recently. So I've been, been doing some stuff with uh, mental conditioning and, you know, they talk about, you know, visualizing yourself being successful in the situations that you're going into and so um you know if you visualize yourself making that shot or or, or winning that game or, or scoring well or whatever um you know it's more likely to happen for you as long as you've done the work and so um you know I think that's the other side of that that quote that I see too absolutely it's amazing how much the the mind impacts what we're able to or not able to do so you got some time time at home which um you know, send you my best. I know those the you know, Jack and Grace are gonna have you running around haywire by for you sure, know, for sure. end of next week. Um <laughs> what um what's next for Dan DeConte as a leader? What are you looking forward to to uh, to chase down as a leader, Dan? 
you know, I, I think um, for me, the next thing is, is to become an athletic director. You know, I've, uh, I enjoy what I do. I enjoy uh, being at Xavier. I, I enjoy working with coaches and athletes. And so, you know, I think I'm ready to uh, steer my own ship in a sense. Awesome. Awesome. And there's not a doubt in my mind that when that happens and whoever is the, the lucky organization to have you, they're going to get a hell of an athletic director, Dan, without a doubt. No, I appreciate that. Well, Dan, it's been a pleasure. The time flies uh, when, when you're having a little bit of fun. I really appreciate you taking time out of your schedule to, to hop on today and uh, um, hope you enjoyed your time and uh, looking forward to seeing you in action as a leader at, uh, at Xavier High School moving forward. You know, really appreciate it. Thank you very much, Dan. Um, any closing thoughts for our, for our listeners here today? I had a great time. This was a blast, um, you know, and, and I appreciate the work that you do with Empower. And, and I love seeing you, uh, you know, at our school, working with our freshmen, working with our seniors. And I know that, you know, you've done some work at my wife's school too, and she's got nothing but great things to say. So, uh, you know, love that you're doing this podcast. Love the work that you do with Empower. Uh, really had a great time today. And, um, you know, everybody stay safe and stay healthy. Thank you so much, Dan DeConti, Xavier High School Assistant Athletic Director, great teacher, great former coach. Appreciate you joining us today, Dan. Thank you so much to our listeners. We appreciate you tuning in. And always remember, great leadership looks, sounds, and feels different. However, there is a common thread that connects all tremendous leaders. They are passionate about those that they lead, and they spend most of their time in their stretch zone. Not settling for that which is comfortable, because nothing exceptional was ever accomplished from comfort. Mm